It's a good day, friends, and welcome to Our Power is Within. I'm your host, Chasmith, aka Just Chaz. And I am on a mission to inspire people to take their power back and help people to realize that each and every one of us has a healer within our own self. When we can create an environment that supports healing and get out of our own way, we are truly capable of healing in mind, body, and soul. Whether you've been following along this whole time, or if this is your first episode, thank you for being on this journey with me. If you could take a minute of your time and help me spread the message of empowerment, healing, and possibility, it would mean the world to me. Ways that you can help support this podcast are by leaving a review on Apple Podcast, a five-star rating if and only if I've earned it, or sharing your favorite episode on social media and tagging me at Our Power is Within. So last week's challenge was to check in daily with yourself. How did that go? What did you discover? Did you have any epiphanies, any emotional release moments, or maybe moments of clarity? I have to say that I really enjoyed this one, and I hope that you did too. This week's challenge is actually going to be all about reading. The challenge will be to read 10 pages in a book every day. And if you're not a classic reader, don't worry. Just swap that out for listening to 10 pages on audiobook. And it doesn't even matter if you choose fiction or nonfiction, whatever you feel drawn to. But I truly believe that reading expands our worlds in endless ways. There are millions of amazing books that we can learn so much wonderful information from. Perhaps there's a topic that you've been really eager to learn about. So rather than hopping from website to website to website, grab a book, get cozy, and focus on one thing. Alternatively, maybe it's been a really long time since you've given yourself permission to just sit down and get lost in a story. And there are millions of beautiful, fun, amazing, adventurous, and inspiring stories out there for us too. If you are ever lost on what book to grab and you need some recommendations, do not hesitate to reach out to me because I literally have lists, you guys. Nonfiction, fiction, whatever you want. Tell me what you're looking for and I'll help you find it. Have fun. 10 pages a day. Let's start with seven days. The challenges are always weekly, but how awesome would that if we extended this one? Hmm? In a month, you'd read 300 pages. That's pretty wild. Our guest today is Sam Ludd with Sam Ludd Consulting. Do you guys remember episode 27 with Hannah Studley? In episode 27, we did a deep dive on all things the three principles related. It was a really awesome and inspiring chat with Hannah. Well, today, Sam is here to talk more on the three principles and the experience that he's had with the three principles, which are mind, thought, and consciousness. He shares how embodying these principles have changed his life, his partner's life, and more. Sam is extremely passionate about these principles, and his passion shines through in today's discussion. And you guys can connect with Sam uh, on Instagram. Check out his website where there's a 20-minute discovery call free with Sam and connect with him so that you can stay on the lookout for his upcoming book called Fearless. The takeaway that I got from today, don't trust your thoughts. 
<laughs> I hope you enjoy today's episode. All right, I have Sam Lud on the line today. We're going to have a good chat about all kinds of wonderful things. And welcome, Sam, to the show. Uh, well, thank you, Chaz. It's it's an honor, and I just love your podcast and uh, the work you're doing. It's it's so needed, and it's <laughs> it's really inspiring you. Just, thank you. You need to know that because it really is. Uh, I listen to so many podcasts, and, and this you definitely it's it's a nice heart nice heart heart space, heartfelt space for people to kind of drop into. Thank you very much. That means a lot. I know that. And they no didn't pay, she didn't pay me, folks. <laughs> she didn't twist my arm. Yeah. Just a little bit now. <laughs> yes. Um, um, well, you need a little bit. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sam, I feel like you might be a new name for some of my listeners. So I would love if we could just kind of start out with you sharing a little, you know, a little bit about your story and how you came into doing the work that you are doing today. Sure. Um, well, well, hi, listeners. Uh, my name is Sam Led. I am a um, transformational intuitive coach or transform transformative coach, um, or you can just call me a woo-woo soul, working as a guide and a shepherd for folks that just need to be reguided back to who and what they are, which is perfect, which is doesn't need to be changed. And, and that kind of was was like the thesis of what I do with my clients. But going back to, you know, if we got into a time machine and look back, 20 years or so. Um, I, I've worked as a facilitator, um, a public policy um, um, ombudsman, facilitator. I worked in ver- environmental mediation. My graduate training in conflict resolution kind of got me on this interesting uh, career road. Um, and before that, I was in pharma marketing. But when I work in Washington, D.C., working for these think tanks and and being the the kind of middleman facilitating dialogue between stakeholders and and uh, private and public companies dealing with all kinds of environmental messes and um, social issues um, in, in the mental health field. I've also worked as a mental health advocate, working with folks in recovery and folks that are, um, you know, just kind of clawing their way out of, of their own mental health issues, unfortunately being caught up in, in the system, not just the criminal justice system, but just in, you know, working, you know, in public health. Um, it's been a labor of love for me. And so it was interesting because of the nature of my work and um, I thought I had it, you know, it all together. And I've just like everybody else, we have our frailties And almost 18 years ago, something happened to me, partly my fault, but something happened to me that was very tragic and very, um, um, it was, it was definitely a very big speed bump for me that I'm sharing in my upcoming book called fearless that maybe really question thinking and thought. And, and, and the prison of the mind and the, the ability to, I call it space shift or, or see beyond thought and see the space within that, that divine space that we all see every single day. We just don't pay attention to it enough, which is our inner GPS, our inner calling. Um, it's not some kind of big bright light that's like kumbaya that is going to help you navigate through this thing called life. And that traumatic event that happened to me um, in combination with my own struggles with ADHD and um, OCD and anxiety, sprinkling a little of, uh, of uh, anxiety growing up um, uh, was, was really, you know, kind of rocket fuel that, that I was able to synthesize the own, my own crazy within me to create my own, my own success, to create my own kingdom. And, and so my book called Fearless and my podcast, The Fearless Now, 
was an amalgamation of everything that has happened to me in the last 20 years and brought me to here. And because of that, because of rising like the Phoenix, like we all do, we all have traumas, all of us. We all have things that we've, that have, you know, either broken us and then got us back on the road to being successful or have ruined us. Some of us haven't survived, especially in the last year with COVID. Um, But once we see what I saw in my book, Fearless is about, is that we all have inner resilience within us. We all have this, this, bright shining light within us, which is not some sanctimonious, you know, um, pseudo-spiritual um, Judeo-Christian nonsense. It's truth. It is our North Star. It is who we are. That's not a Michael Beckwith kind of, a, you know, amen kind of thing. That's truth. And that's what all the sages, all the, all the, your favorite prophets, you know, from Jesus to Buddha um, have always shared with us. So let's fast forward to now. Um, I, I have a, a podcast. I have a book coming out, which I'm actually going, I'm just looking for a publicist now to do the work. And it's exciting and scary, but um, the work that I do with my clients, and we'll go into that, is sharing that understanding of mind, thought, and consciousness. So, um, and before I forget, I, the, the other thing was due to my own mental health um, issues that I've you know, they never go away because then they, they don't exist. Once you see that it's all made up, I was able to really propel myself to to really creating this this life where I can make a living doing good for others, which I, I feel blessed. Um, I opened up a brick and mortar um, alternative healing practice with a couple other um, um, acupuncturists and and um, massage therapists and and chiropractors. I am also a certified laser therapist, and I do light therapy, laser acupuncture, as well as Reiki. And coaching became kind of organic for me. It didn't just show up one day. I, went, I didn't go to some training. I didn't get certified. None of that works. And anyone that tells you you need to get training doesn't know what they're talking about. And that's, of course, my bully pulpit. You know, do what's right for you guys. But, you know, we all have an intuition within us. We all have this, this ability to, to drop into the present moment and, and to have our inner wisdom kind of call out to us. That's all on offer. That's what we're built with. That's, um, you know, that's kind of like original equipment that we are all born with. So that's kind of where I am right now. Um, I know that's a long way of, of saying all that, but yeah. Awesome. Yeah. What was the source of inspiration though? Cause you, you bring up and you, you mentioned how you had kind of this tragic moment or experience and then you kind of full circle back to where you are today and what you've come to realize, but what inspired this massive shift in your consciousness? N- noticing that there is no shift in consciousness. There's no such thing as any of that. It's all made up in real time by a brilliant supercomputer. Consciousness is, in- is infinite. Consciousness is who we really are. Who we are is well-being. Who we are is love. Who we are is resilient. Who we are is hopeful. Who we are is not the sum total of our chaotic thinking in the moment that's created by created by a supercomputer. And we all have this supercomputer called our brain, but we all have different laptop computers up here. And just like a real computer, it has an operating system that glitches. So if I could point, if I could put a finger on it, I would say, um, and I, and I, and, and I always had this on, on offer. Like we all do, like all of you do is, is when I was introduced when, when I actually, 
I had this epiphany. Um, I, I kind of had this initial, before I was introduced to the understanding that I'm going to share with you guys, um, I developed this technique, which is now not a technique. It's, it's an understanding called space shifting. And the, the ironic thing, the crazy thing is that I didn't know anything about this understanding that I was brought to my attention by my, my long-term partner. And, and she dragged me to this you know, workshop and seminar. And I, I, I dislike personal development seminars. Can you believe that? I mean, I'm a coach and I don't like going to these. Per- <laughs> I, I, I can't stand Tony Robbins. No offense, Tony Robbins out there or anyone like Tony Robbins. And you're probably doing great work. It's, 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 you can't change thought. You can't change anxiety. You can't do anything. You cannot use any techniques, NLP, none of that works. And anyone that tells you that it works and hear me out, you know, if it does work for you, it's not, it's not NLP or, or, or thought stopping or techniques or tapping. None of that works long-term. You can't stop thought. Once I, I, I realized that you can't stop thought, you can't um, quiet thought for long-term, and the more you try and you more and try you use these techniques, the more it gets louder. Your the noise. And once I was able to see be below the noise of thought and thinking that our supercomputer, our brain loves you and it's trying to keep you safe. And once I saw that through the discovery of this thing called the three principles, wow. and I was basically dragged, kicking and screaming to this to this um, conference in down in, in uh, Marina del Rey. Um, I'm like, what is this nonsense? Like, is this like some kind of like cult? Is this like going to be like science, you know, pick your favorite kind of cult guru, you know, false prophet. And I'm like, oh my God, what is this? So I went to this conference and it was really interesting because all these folks that are going up and talking about the three principles, which is mind, thought, and consciousness, they all weren't talking about anything. They got up and they were just sharing story about, you know, their life and about um, their experiences in, in their lives. And these are psychologists, psychiatrists, people with 12 years of education, medical school training, you know, these are intellects and their entire conversations had nothing to do with the intellect or techniques or strategies or medication or anything. They shared the principles in a way that, just led to a feel good feeling. And I'm listening to this and there's one gentleman that went up, his name is Chip Chipman and he's this very successful businessman, but he was very miserable most of his life. And for those of you listening, you're probably saying, well, he was rich. He didn't have to worry about money. He had a roof over his head. Yeah, but he was caught up in the prison of his mind. His, he, his, his marriage was faltering. His, you know, he, he was miserable. He was constantly arguing with his, his wife for no reason. And he couldn't understand why his wife was amazing. And his, he was miserable at his job, but his job was amazing. Like you would think that he had everything. And then, and then one day, and he, and this is what they're sharing and they're going up in front of, there's a couple hundred people here, right? They're all professionals, whether they're in business, whether they're therapists, doctors, brain surgeons, you name it. These are not people that just walking off the street. These are people that have, you know, many years and many initials after, uh, after their name. Um, Dr. So-and-so and et cetera, et cetera. And then he, and then he tells this story where one day he's, he's eating breakfast early in the morning and he's um, sipping his coffee and he's reading the paper and he's not paying attention to anything but what's in front of him. And his, his wife is sitting on the, on the floor 
just playing with their newborn daughter and they're having the best time. And he just all of a sudden, just in, in the corner of his eye, he just like stares at his, his child, his newborn baby and his, his wife. And he sees this light, this golden stream of light just hit them at a certain angle. And he just sees it. He gets it. And he starts to cry for no reason. What did he see? He dropped into the present moment and he saw the expanse of the expansiveness of life. He saw how gorgeous his wife was and how gorgeous his child was and how lucky he was and how hopeful his life is and how special and how grateful his life is. He just dropped into the present moment. He had that feel good feeling. That's what Jesus was talking about. That's what Buddha was talking about. That was what the Maharishi was talking about. And that's what, you know, all the great sages talk about. And that's what the secret, you know, that the secret, you know, that thing about 15 years ago was like that whole program with all these famous coaches and gurus. That's what they talk about. We drop into that space many, many times during the day. We just don't pay attention to it enough. And why? Because the noise in our head is, it's like Las Vegas. It's like 4th of July fireworks. It's, it's so loud sometimes that, that we pay more, more attention to the absolute nonsense that's made up in real time by a, a supercomputer called your brain that's just trying to keep you safe, right? It's not, it, it, that's all it's doing. But it has an operating system that hasn't been updated since the Paleolithic era. And we just, we're seeing it all backwards. Psychology is... And psychologists and, and, and neurologists and all kinds of clinicians that are doing good work and mean well, and they want to help their patients have it backwards. I'm not a professional. I'm not a doctor, but I'm also a human being, a spiritual being in, in this physical body, like we all are living this human experience. The human experience, you know, is, is limited when we see that we're not our total human experience. So I went to this conference and I was like, holy crap. Holy cow. What's going on here? I mean, I was listening to this guy talk and there was like 10 other people went up. These, there were, there were LMFTs, psychologists, psychiatrists. I mean, these are people with more years of education than, than most people, you know, they, and they all told the same story, how a patient with schizophrenia all of a sudden saw it, saw their inner well-being, and they didn't have to take medication anymore. And I'm sure your audience is saying, what is this guy talking about? He doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, I'm bipolar. Or I, I, I've been suffering from depression for years. It's not that simple. But yes, it is. It's, it is that simple. But our brain complicates it. Our brain, as much as it loves you, runs these programs, these, these, these um, algorithms that overcomplicate everything. But our spiritual nature, our true nature is that simple because we're just one thought away from mental health. We just don't pay attention to it enough. And if you don't believe me, well, go to church on Sunday and sit in the back of the, you don't have to be religious. In fact, you don't even have to believe in God, but just sit in the back of the church or your synagogue or your mosque. Sit quietly, get quiet, and you'll see what I'm talking about. You'll see what I'm pointing to. So I, I, I was blown away. I mean, after Chip got off the stage and all these other folks who are, you know, from all walks of life with more, again, more degrees and more initials after the names, some very famous authors too, told the same story, kind of story, how they saw people, even 
psychologist that worked in the prison system in San Quentin, some of the worst prisons in the world, maximum security prisons. These are folks that, that did terrible things. These, these, these clinicians went in there, saw these prisoners' psychological innocence, saw that who they are is not the sum total of what happened. Now, there are consequences for actions. If you, do, if you hurt somebody else, you should probably go to prison. But at the moment when they committed that crime, they were, they were kind of operating from a level of thinking that they thought was, was best for them. But, but once I saw that, that they were caught up in some crazy thinking at that time, that's not who they are now. And that's not who they are ever. And once we see that, we are free. So if, they, if prisoners felt freer than, than people on the outside or prisoners felt freer that were serving life terms um, versus the, the um, prison guards and, and the prison staff, and, and, and um, how is that possible? Well, it is possible because we, got it, we have everything backwards and we've been doing this because of our own conditioning. We've been, we've been seeing it backwards because of our own belief systems that are packaged up for us because we have a brain that's a sponge that sometimes interferes with, with who and what we are. But I can get to the second part of it when we get into the conversation a little bit more. So I hope that's been kind of a very long description of how, this, how I came about with this understanding. Yeah, it's funny because <laughs> I was literally about to ask you if you've ever heard of the three principles because as you when you were initially telling us about your story, uh, that's all I could think about was the three principles. I've had somebody else um, a guest on here who studied the three principles as well and shared it with us in an earlier oh, episode. Um, so people who are listening might be very familiar with the three principles, um, especially because we got we got pretty deep into that what they were and what they meant. Well, they saved my life and, and they saved my partner's life and saved my client's life. And I say that, you know, without having, without even blinking because it, it truly is transformative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And could you explain, well, two parts to the question. One, could you explain what you mean when you say we can't change our thoughts? Like if we can't change them, does that mean we, can we shift them? Or you said, not that you can't change them. You said we can't stop them. But if we can't stop them, can we shift them? Can we change them? Or is it more just about observing and disassociating from them? Um, none of the above. Oh. Like ch choice D. Um, well, initially, it's the interesting thing, and, and again, it's very simple, but our brain complicates it all, right? Um, before I, I was introduced to the three principles, I... Um, this thing called space shifting that I didn't even, you know, I just, it just came up, came to me, which is basically what th the pre three principles are is when you make yourself aware, you just see your thinking going sideways when you're caught up in a low mood. You don't take it seriously, even though it's really hard sometimes, even though you get caught up and then you take the bait because the brain is the greatest used car salesman, right? I mean, you know, our brains should be every year should win an honorary Oscar because the brain is the greatest screenwriter, the greatest producer um, of nonsense in the history of, of, of time, right? It's, it's like, so, so just like when you're watching CNN, you know, and there's like, or you're watching CNBC that, you know, that business channel and there's a ticker tape running on the bottom of the screen. For those of you that watch it, I, I, I watch it very, very rarely, but if you're at the gym, you can see the TV on with the, the ticker tape, the stock market ticker tape. Well, that's how thought and thinking works. 
and and you you just gotta without doing anything when you, when when you wake up in a bad mood or um, your brain tr- your brain is very innocently trying to protect you by blaming your low mood on on someone out you know on a fall guy say your your boss or your partner very innocently just just be aware just because of because a feel good feeling versus a caught up anxious overwhelming theory a th- um, a feeling are so different the feel good feeling is truth it's not like um the the dopamine rush it's just calm right the the wrapped up caught up anxiety or 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 just feeling sad moment in during your day is 100% not truth but is is not to be believed and when we do get caught up it's not to be believed it's it's the proverbial check engine light it's it's like the overheating hair dryer right it the, the fuse when you have an overheating hair hair dryer especially like a you know a three star hotel you know it kind of it blows the circuit breakers for a second. You can't use it because it's, you know, cheap hair dry. Well, that's the same thing how our brain works, and, and our brain glitches all the time because it's just like any operating system on a computer. But once we see that, like th- the perfect design of the system um, working as it should, there's nothing to fix. But our brain's gonna glitch, and it, and and it's just thought moving through us. It's kind of like you know, thunderstorms moving through us. You know, our thought is, is, is like weather and, you know, we're kind of like the sky. And, um, once we see it that way, we don't take the bait so much. Now we're all human, right? We all living this human experience, but once we see that our human experience is not anxiety or panic or overwhelm when there's no saber tooth tiger running after us, when it's just a lot of work we have to do during the day or a boss being critical of our work or whatever it is, we know that, that, that's not who we are. It's momentary. It's going to move through us. And, and if we um, see, really see it, we don't have to, to take it seriously. We can just kind of like see it as the, the observer, that, it, that it's not real. It's not who we are. And it's going to move through us and it's going to settle like, like it always does. We have a system that's perfectly designed to settle thought. We don't have to do anything. Even if it's uncomfortable, even like myself, who's who's suffered in the past with panic and panic attacks, um, you know, before I would do like thought stopping techniques, and every time I would do that, or like do like you know, um, or or imagery or positive imagery or counting backwards, or you know, all I do would in the you know that that didn't work. It just made the volume louder. And and if you can just see, it's just your mind kind of going tilt for maybe. A couple minutes. The more you see it, the less it is a big deal, and the less it's going to have a negative impact on on your daily existence. Mm. So, the more you're being aware of it, the less you're being attached to it. Like, just aware, yeah. yeah. Just like a, de- you know, it's like label it. Like, oh, there goes my mind again. <laughs> it's out to the races. It's it's going a little cuckoo for cocoa puffs. And in in the other liberating thing about this is that, you know, you you sometimes might get caught up and take the bait and that's okay too. Like you're going to go crazy now and again in your thinking, not like crazy, like in, you know, like straight jacket crazy. You know, your mind's just going to go crazy. And, and sometimes we were feeling, we feel really insecure and we take the bait. 
Like that's okay too. Like I, um, the other day, someone cut me off on the freeway and I just didn't get a lot of sleep the night before. And, um, I got really angry. You know, I got really angry at the driver. My brain tried to, to blame that guy for my low state of mind, you know, my low, my low mood. Um, but, but then I saw it and that's okay too. We're going to have those moments, but the more you see that that's okay too, the less it becomes a big deal and the less it has a, you know, unless it is, is so handicapping for us. Mm. So you want to see it without judgment. Completely. You got it. How does somebody differentiate um, being in awareness of thought versus what's known as toxic positivity? Oh, I love that question. That's a great question. Well, let me, let, let me like un- um, unpack that. Uh, toxic positivity. Hmm. I don't think that exists. I don't think positivity doesn't exist either. It's again, it's, it's a made up narrative that we all make up that's made up by coaches and, and, you know, the Est movement of the 1970s. I think our, our default state is just common and, and hopeful. Like when you think of, when I think of positivity, like the, you know, um, it, it's like, you know, was it Stuart Smalley and I'm dating myself in, in the nineties, you know, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And gosh, darn it. People like me, you know, that's what I kind of, if I think of toxic positivity, I, I think, um, you know, you just got to look at how the things are designed, that the system is designed perfectly. And now perfectly doesn't mean that it's, you know, you're not going to have your lumps. You're not going to have difficult times. But the difficult times in terms of when we're really feeling our thinking, when we think that our, we're feeling this way because we have no money in our bank account or because our partner left us or that our dog is sick, it's okay to feel our thinking. But when you notice that everything outside of us is neutral and that we have this narrative being played, this, this, this constant narration going on in our head that's all made up and and, and, and is illusory, it just takes a, takes a lot of weight off. It's, it's actually the most liberating thing in the world that you can be happy and still broke, but the brain wants to keep you safe. So it's going to try to put together a whole, you know, it's going to package up a whole different explanation for you, why you feel this way. Does that, hmm. does that help? I don't know if that's, I answered your question. Cause that's a, that's a, yeah, that's like a two part yeah. question. But I feel like there's probably a lot of people that are like, yeah, but what about when something really, like, really, you know, sad, like things that really warrant feeling like feelings of sadness, like, are we talking a difference here between feeling and thought, you know, because say somebody loses the person closest to them, like somebody passes away, and it was their best friend or their, their mother or their, their son, you know, how, how does one um, incorporate the three principles into their life in moments like this? Well, well, understanding that all those things are normal, that, that you're, that grieving is, there's nothing wrong with grieving. Just like there's nothing wrong of being, you know, pissed off at the guy who cut you off. As long as you don't believe it, as long as you don't believe you're thinking when someone pisses you off. Now, when, with grief, grief is, is, is different for everybody. Cause we all have this different, you know, we all have different laptop computers running, running, um, informing us of the outside world, this, the, the supercomputer. So um, since grief is different for everyone and everyone has a different experience of grief, the experience of grief can be also beautiful, right? It can also be this expansive thing that's, you know, tears of sorrow, but tears of sorrow don't have to be, you know, 
negative and don't have to be doom and gloom. Now, even if it is doom and gloom, we know that, that that's just how the system is designed to move this through us, right? It's the system because the system works perfectly. It is, there's nothing wrong with, with being sad. There's nothing wrong with being anxious either. But the brain, <laughs> the brain's diagnostic onboard computer is telling us differently because it doesn't know the difference between a saber-toothed tiger and a ham sandwich. It's really, you know, the brain is only as, 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 as um, um, useful as the operator behind it. It's just like our, your computer at home. If you don't plug it in and turn the power on, it's completely worthless. The brain is exactly the same way. And being the conscious observer without, you know, kind of you know, um, biting onto to toxic and dangerous grief, which, which I mean is grief that leads to suicidal ideation or suicidal, you know, a suicidal act, and you get sucked into the grief. They're two different things. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that does. So all those things are normal, and that's part of the experience. But but the but the virtual reality simulation that we're talking about is is it's a virtual reality simulation. It's not taking away for how much you love that person or how much they meant to you. But that's part of the simulation too. What is real is is who you are. Is a bright shining light of of love and, and well being. And so is that person who's no longer on this planet with us in, 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 this, in this thing called the simulation is, you know, as science fiction as that sounds. So if there's somebody out there listening who's like, okay, this sounds great in theory, but I wouldn't even know where to begin or I wouldn't know how to do this, you know, where would somebody begin to apply these principles in this, this different way of being in the world? Well, let's let's first let's first unpack that because it's not even a way of being. It, it's not. It's because it's who you are. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's no way to be because we have reminders of it all day long. We just don't pay attention to the present moment or to when we are just, you know, in that state of flow that you know where time speeds up or or slows down and we just lose ourselves in the moment, like when we're doing something we love or when we're working, we're at work and all of a sudden the days just comes you know flies by and we're just. It just had a great day. We don't even know why. We all have those moments. Like I did this morning when I went jogging um, along the beach. Like I, I completely like I didn't like I wasn't thinking about you know preparing for for today's um, conversation. I was just Sam in the moment, you know. So there's nothing to prepare for. There's nothing to to search out for because it's all there on offer. Once we see beyond the noise of our thinking. But if I was going to say, okay, so if someone wants to, to learn about this, um, you can go to my website and kind of, it's a good introduction, but I would go back to the source, um, uh, to the guy uh, that this, this, we call him the Scottish mystic. He's this very ordinary Scottish welder from British Columbia who, you know, had a ninth grade education. You know, he was nobody that he didn't want to be anybody. And, and that's what's so special about him. You know, he, his, he had a quote once, Sid Banks, he said, be an ordinary schmuck until you know better, hmm. which which is what he was. And Sid Banks was this wonderful man who um, really had this kind of um, enlightenment experience in 1972. And again, this is not, you know, people saying, well, this sounds like a cult. Like, what is this supernatural guy? Like, who is this? He's, he sounds like he's some kind of guru. No, no, no. And in fact, this guy was so humble. He didn't want him to be recorded 
um, on tape, and he didn't want to have um, anyone video him until the last couple of years of his life. So, you know, he wanted to share his experience that that there's something beyond the our, our thinking. There's something beyond, uh, um, you know, our ego. Um, and and so so Sid Banks had this this enlightenment experience where he really saw it, and um, you know, he he was basically having a conversation one day with one of his coworkers. Um, and, and Sid, Sid was saying, you know, was sharing something that, you know, um, he didn't like about something and he was just feeling really insecure. And the guy said to him, yeah, you know, Sid, you know, that you're just having an insecure moment. It's just insecure thinking. That's not who you are. And, and Sid just had this epiphany. He's like, oh my God, all my past traumas, all my insecurities growing up in childhood, all these things that, that you know, have been handicapping me in my peace of mind that led to my suffering. Like I just enjoying every moment of every day. I, I've been caught up in this future, either future fantasy thinking or, you know, the past, my past growing up in Scotland, how miserable I was just being feeling like I wasn't important enough or I wasn't good enough or I wasn't tall enough or whatever it was. Like we all have insecurities. Like he didn't have to believe that nonsense. Like it, it didn't matter. What mattered is right now. That, that we all have mental health on board. And he shared this understanding with, with the world. So I would check out The Missing Link, which is a really, it's such an easy read. I think it's, I have it right here. It's actually, I think it's 129 pages and it's written these little, these little allegories, these little, um, they're almost like poems. And, and this is the first book I read. And then I was introduced to Michael Neal, who's one of my favorite. He's one of my mentors. I've been to a couple of his conferences. Um, he wrote The Space Within and the Inside, Out, um, the Inside Out Revolution. And then one of my other favorites is Garrett Kramer, who wrote Still Power. So I would go there first. And, and the beauty of this is, is that this is not a tech, these are not techniques or you know, there's nothing to change within yourself. There's nothing to, to fix. There's nothing, no, no tools to learn. In fact, it's the complete opposite of that. So how, okay. So if you say that we are already, you know, we're, we're born with this supercomputer and the system and it's already perfect. Why do you, do you have a thought or a theory on if we're just meant to be in this present now moment and to just be aware and to not attach to these stories. Why do you suppose that we were then born with this excessive ability to think like this thought, this constant thought? Well, I don't know. Um, I, I wish I, I wish I knew. I don't know. I don't think anybody knows, but, but what, what the understanding points to is that, you know, thought is a gift right? Thought is a gift. It's informing us um, of the world between the form and the formless. The formless is who you really are. It's infinite. It's, it's, it's perfect, right? But, but the world of the form, you know, the brain, you know, is, is like Google Translate sometimes. You ever, you ever actually have fun with Google Translate and like have a conversation with someone from another country and like, you, you know, you want to impress them with your you know, you're amazing, right? You ever like, I have a friend, um, <laughs> my ex-wife was German. We used to play this game, you know, like when she was visiting family, I would like totally mess with her. And like, I would go on Google Translate 
and I would type in like something, you know, um, how, how what, did you go to the museum today? Right. And I would type it in because I speak some German, not great, but enough to get myself in trouble. And so um, I would type in the sentence and then send it to her and she would reply back, hey, Sam, are you drunk right now? <laughs> because that's how the brain works. That's how the brain works. It's the brain is the brain loves you. If the brain loves all of us, but it's not perfect. It glitches. It's like, you know, like, you know, I'm I'm not old enough to know like pinball. Like I'm not a pinball wizard. You know, some people love pinball, like old school. Like if you ever going to an old school arcade, there's a great arcade in Delray Beach, Florida. For those of you who've been to, it's like it's called the pinball museum. And sometimes those pinball machines go tilt when you know the ball gets stuck or you know, you, you hit you hit the side of the of the pinball machine too hard. Well, that's how the brain works. And Google Translate is a great example. <laughs> I mean, if you ever like met somebody, like say for those listening, like and, and you meet someone you think is cute, like and you want to go on a date with them, but they're from another country and they don't speak great English, and say they're Swedish. Well, it's the same thing. Like trying to the, you, you want to impress them, and you you send them something with Google Translate, and it makes no sense. Mm-mm. Well, that's how the brain works. Sometimes the brain can be brilliant. It's great for doing equations and it's great modulating organ systems. The brain is wonderful dealing with your heart and your liver and, and your pancreas, but, but it, it's not perfect. It's going to fall flat on its butt now and again. So think of your brain like Google Translate sometimes. And, and, and it's funny because it's funny. It's really funny. Now, obviously, you know, when we need, need money, you know, we need to, we need to, go to work every day and we need to pay our bills it feels really crappy when we don't have enough money in the bank to pay the rent or or you know we have a, a medical emergency and, and we can't pay our, whatever whatever um outside catastrophe going on um well the brain works like google translate even more because what does it do it creates story right mm. and then it blames why you're broke on someone like your boss or your family or your parents that didn't teach you how to stretch the dollar or, or budget or or your teacher at school or your dog because it it got you late to work one day because it peed all over the carpet. I mean, the brain does all this crap. It judges, it criticizes, and does all this nonsense, not because it wants you to suffer, but because it just wants to keep you safe, but it doesn't know better. It can't tell the difference between a saber-toothed tiger and the dog peeing on the floor that you have to clean up or your baby, your newborn baby, you know, getting sick and you miss work too much and you get fired, God forbid. And then there goes the ball game with your thinking. But that's the time when, when your brain is really your worst enemy when it comes to that. Now, that doesn't mean that the brain is telling you to believe that, 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 that low mood or, or insecure thinking in that moment. That's not what the brain's doing. The brain glitches when... Um, you you wake up in a bad mood, and then or you, and then you have road rage, or or you you have a bad day at work because your your boss yells at you, and then your brain's like, well, he's not fair, and how dare he yell at me? Who the hell does he? You know, the ego gets involved, which is all made up too. Um, you're just caught up, and and you're 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 just caught up in that moment. But but what leads to suffering, which is so unnecessary, is actually believing. At that moment, what the what what the brain is trying to do, the brain's just telling you to pump the brakes and slow down. It's not it's not telling you to believe in that moment what the what the brain is uh, uh, blaming for why you're feeling that way, okay? Or or blaming yourself, like 
you know, you're a loser because you can't keep a job down or you're a loser because you're, you're, you're overweight, whatever it is, doesn't matter. And, and in, before, when you asked me about, you know, bad, when bad things happen in life, the difference between blaming your boss for your, your current state of mind and when someone dies that you love in grief is that the system is designed to, to help you slow down when those, both those things happen. Just the brain doesn't know better. It's kind of like, um, like a dog peeing on the floor, your dog that you love, you don't, you know, sell your dog or give it, give it away just because it pees on the floor. Sometimes you love your dog and human beings. We're all dogs. I mean, you know, love my dog. Right. I mean, it's the same thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. You don't sound convinced. No, it's definitely, I understand how it's, um, you know, just say in the last conversation, it's one of those things that it's, it's, it's simple, but to for when it's new to somebody, it can be not easy, simple, but not easy per se, you know, because it's a, a complete shift in the way that, you know, however old we are that we've been living, right? Like we've had one way of being or understanding or interpreting. And now it's like, Oh wait, there's like this, this whole kind of shift in perspective. Well, it's, it's actually, if I, if I may um, give you an example of this, it's, it's the brain creating a narrative. It's it's us creating story around something that's happened to us. And then there's the hard stop and period when we say, yeah, but no hard stop and period because our brain is overcomplicating it because mm. the brain, that's what the, that's what a brain does. Right. But, but you don't do that. The brain does that. And we have moments of calm and we have moments when we see that all day long, we don't pay attention to our inner guidance, our, you know, our, our, um, our kind of inner GPS kind of guiding us quietly, um, but because we're paying attention to the noise. If I can give you an example of this with one of my clients um, um, in brief. So so, uh, so basically um, I had a, a client who was an alcoholic um, who basically very successful man, businessman who I was asked to, to do an intensive with. This is a couple of years ago. And, and, you know, he was just a sad sack, um, very, very successful man. Basically his alcoholism led to his wife leaving him and his kids basically alienating him. He was all alone, but he had all the, you know, all the material accoutrements, you know, the fancy watch, the, all the money in the bank and et cetera. And, and he was just not a nice, you know, he was just kind of an irritable guy. Um, not really enjoyable to be around. And I was, even to me, when I first met him, he was even not very nice to his secretary. And he sat me down in the office and um, I was looking around his office and I saw pictures of him on a golf course in Scotland. And, you know, he didn't believe what I was doing. And I just sat with him. You know, he, I, I, I had no expectation that this would go any further than one session. And he even, even threatened not to pay me because he said he was made to see me by, because I had, it was a referral from someone who, you know, was a friend of his that knew me. And I sat down and I looked at, um, there was a picture of him playing golf in Scotland. And for those of you that know Scotland, it's like the, you know, the birthplace of golf. And I know nothing about golf. I don't particularly love golf, but um, some people love it. Um, this guy loved golf more than anything. And um, I, I said to him, I said, Hey man, uh, what was it like playing on a golf course in Scotland? It looks beautiful. And, you know, this guy was probably, he was drunk, inebriated. He was a, like a daytime drunk kind of guy, you know, with tea, you know, 
he was kind of like a, a, a martini lunch kind of guy, you know, and I'm in this fancy office in, 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 you know, very wealthy part of, of Southern California. So like he didn't, he could just do that kind of stuff. I mean, it wasn't probably the, the healthiest thing for him. He was also overweight too. And, and he, and he looks at the picture and then he looks at me again and he starts to tear up. Now this guy's an alpha male, like, you know, CEO of a company, owned companies. He's worth tens of millions of dollars, like very, very successful guy. And he starts to tear up and he tries to stop himself from tearing up. And I see what's going on and I, I kind of smile, you know, kind of I gave him a, a, like a loving smile. We, we make eye contact and he says to me, it's like being closer to God. And I was about to cry too. It was the most beautiful mm. moment. This like alpha male, like he lost his whole family and all, all he had was his Patek Philippe watch on and, you know, a hundred million dollars in the bank that he had to give half to his wife and all the judgment, all his, all his like resentment of his family for, for alienating him. Cause he was, you know, suffering within in his addiction, trying to quiet the noise in his head down and, and all the, you know, he, and he even fell through a glass table the week before, before, cause he was drunk and he had stitches all over his elbow, which was apparent. This guy's a, a mess on the outside. And he, he just like, dropped in. We both dropped in and he saw it and I saw it and he, the tears are streaming down his capillary broken face. Cause you know, people that drink a lot have broken capillaries around their nose. And he said to me, he's like, okay, Sam, when can I see you next week? And I looked at him I'm like, what? what? He's like, you know, tell me when I can see you next week and then get out of my office. <laughs> and then he wrote me a check. You know, I said, well, listen, man, um, I'm not cheap. So, you know, I was joking, of course. That's what I'm talking about, man. That's what I'm pointing to. So. That's awesome. Yeah. It was Thank pretty awesome. Sharing. Sure. I know that we're getting, um, we're, we're right about the time here. So I want to respect your time, but I want to ask one kind of, one more broad question. Sure. Um, kind of just going over everything we talked about today. I know you kind of have a, a message that you're sharing, but if you could sum it up, what would you say is the biggest message that you feel that you're in this lifetime to share with the world? Well, wow. You put me on the spot there, Chaz. It's great. <laughs> There's like, Oh, sorry. That's my, um, well, we're going to have some, um, dead, no some noise, some, uh, what do you call it? When, when someone doesn't speak for a while on, on, on the radio, dead air. Okay. <laughs> well, again, I'm going to go back to Sid Banks this very ordinary schmuck from Scotland who saved my life. He never, I never even met him. He died in 2009. That were, you're just one thought away from mental health. That who you are is not the sum total of, of your thinking. That, that once you see who you are, I don't care if you're living in a shack tone shack or a mansion in Beverly Hills. I just, I stole, a, stole a, a lyric from a talking head song that who you are is so much more than that. That, that if you can see what this sad sack of a wealthy man saw in his office that day, man, that your sniper mind is great for some things, but that, that you don't have to be scared of, of, of your thinking, even when life seems like it sucks, um, that, that, you know, when we point to the fact that, that 
when we have those moments during the day of utter peace and quiet, that's where all the creative stuff comes. That's who you are. That there's nothing to fix, nothing to change. Who you are is perfect. Now, when you hear me say that, and your brain's like, what is this guy talking about? He sounds like some, you know, woo-woo, woo-woo guy from California. Well, that's not you. That's your brain trying to figure out what I'm saying. And it's going to say, well, it's not that, not that, you know, easy. I've been in therapy for 20 years. And my therapist keeps saying that I'm going to have to deal with this crap. I'm going to have to take this medication and it's going to be with me for the rest of my life. Well, I say baloney. I said, your brain is going to lovingly kind of take you on that journey, but that's because you're caught up in your, and you're thinking about it. The next time people, you get quiet, just see what, what that voice is telling you. And I guarantee you, you'll, you'll see something. How about that? How does that sound? I like it. Cool. <laughs> I love it. Um, and so you, do you want to take a moment to just share about your book and tell us where people can get in touch with you and learn more about you and what you're doing? Sure. Um, my book is called Fearless. It's going to be coming out in the next couple months. And it's about this um, uh, experience that I had 20 years ago and this journey that I had that, um, that led me to where I am now. That, that I am just, you know, some ordinary schmuck from California that, that really, really saw it. And all these different synchronicities and, and kind of moments where everything really is connected is, as I mentioned earlier, that, that um, with all the stuff on board my, my supercomputer, you know, the, all the labels that have been put on me, the ADHD, and the, the OCD, and et cetera, et cetera, I'm testing to the fact that, that when I get quiet, just like when all of you get quiet, there's so much possibility in your life that you're not seeing because you're not really seeing this moment right now and you're not seeing your own well-being. Um, and so with my client work, I help p- people and guide people back to, to who and what they are. Um, I'm kind of like a shepherd. And um, so if people want to learn about my work, you can go to my website, samlikeconsulting.com or my Instagram page, samlikeconsulting. Um and I'm just excited to, to share the book and um, very soon, um, I'm actually um, gonna be doing a, um, um, a complete publicity blitz in the next couple months. I just actually retained a publicist out of Chicago. I'm really excited about working with. And yeah, um, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a guide repointing back people that, um, to who they are. Um, and, and really it starts with a conversation. And we take it from there. And once you see that that every technique that you've learned, every strategy you have learned, every modality that you have learned is complete nonsense. And I say that with all love and respect, because if it does work for you, great. But it's not going to calm down your mind. It's you know you can't stop thought, um, and that you don't need any of that to to have a loving daily existence, despite how rich or poor you are, how healthy or sick, or how young or old you are. Oh man. You suffer less and you just enjoy more. Hmm. It sounds quite lovely to me. <laughs> At times, uh, but then we yeah. suffer again, but then we drop yeah. in again, right? And such is the human experience, yes. Such is life. Yeah. yeah. C'est la awesome. Vie. And so I will drop the links in the show notes for your website and for Instagram. And then I'm sure if people follow you on there, they'll be able to see when the book releases and the ways that they can 
um, get the book and all that good stuff, right? Yes, that's okay. right. Um, and awesome. I'm, I'm so I'm just so honored to be on your podcast. You're doing some amazing work, Chaz, and and it's just it's really it's an honor. And and thank you for for having me on. Of course, thank you for being here. I I feel like um, we have you know message all these beautiful messages need to need to be spread uh, wide and far. So it takes all of us coming together to be able to share these messages. And, and that's right. And you're and yeah. and you're you're incredible. You're a conduit in your own way. And um, I see good things. So so mm-hmm. keep keep it up. Thank you, and thanks for being here, and thanks thank for you. doing what you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you, friends, for being here. And thank you for taking the time to share your episode, this episode or your favorite episode with your friends or do a review on Apple Podcast. If you have a message or a story that you want to share, do not hesitate to reach out to me. And happy reading. And until next time, you guys know the drill. Make this week great.